morning. Uh, I'm Shay Sun, and my pronouns are she, her. And our reading this morning is from Psalm 91, 1 through 6, and then 9 through 16 in the New International Version. Whoever dwells in the shadow of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will lead on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We also have a bit from John 1.14 in the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This is the word of the Lord. All right. This morning we're going to talk a little bit about um, sanctuary. I'm going to tell you why. In John 1, 14, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. In other translations, it reads a little bit different. He made his dwelling place with us. But I love the message translation. Because we all have a neighborhood, don't we? We all have one of those. We may not have neighbors for miles and miles. We have neighbors somewhere. God moved into the neighborhood. God made God's dwelling place among us. God tabernacled herself with us. God is here. What does that mean to you? That the word, the son of God, Jesus became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, our neighborhood. What does that mean to you? And this is your time to tell me what you think that means for you. Yeah. Makes him like one of us, right? He wants to be with us and visit with us, right? How many of you have a neighbor or an acquaintance that you can't wait to get away from them? Maybe they talk too much. Maybe they're just annoying. Maybe they've told the same story 20 times. That would be me. And no, you cannot say that about me. You all love me. We know this. What does it mean to you? Yes. right. Leon said it's not exclusive. Every neighborhood. That's right. Yes. Um, for me, it's, it's like safety. Yes. Um, you know, we're reading, Shay read this psalm this morning and it's the image of the, you know, the wing taking us under the wing. Yes. The protection. Um, for me, that's, that's a really good image. That's right. It's protection. It's safety. Anyone else? Yes. That's right. Ginger says it reminds her that he's close. He's right there. Yes. Yes. 
Right. Yes. I don't know. Were any of you taught a doctrine of, I don't know if you call it a doctrine, but a train of thought, an idea that because of our hideous sin, God cannot have anything to do with us. Like he can't hear our prayers. God can't be there, right? Anybody besides me? Yeah. What kind of damage does that do? Yeah, it's still hard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The small church of my childhood that I've told you about before was a soft place for me to land. God dwelling among us was very real to me in that place. My home was not safe, but this church was. I was loved and cheered on. Not only were my gifts and talents affirmed, but... I was cherished, treasured, and I wasn't the only one. There were others there that were treasured in the same way. Calvary Baptist was a very soft place for me to land as a child and then a teenager. I've been praying about what the vision for Imago should be for this next church year. And so I began asking some of you, what are your thoughts on where we should go and what we should do? And I talked with Jeff Earlson a few weeks ago, who's on the leadership team, and I asked him, what are your thoughts on the vision for Imago? And he said something to the effect of, it seems like Imago has become a sanctuary for many of us, and maybe we should fully embrace this idea of sanctuary, and maybe this is our vision. So I met with the leadership team, and we were all on the same page. And someone asked me a while back, what are the needs of the people of Imago? So this past week, I made a list in my notebook of all of you. I mentally walked through the pews in my head and wrote your name down on a piece of paper in my notebook. Then I went to the We Are Imago page, and I put you down. If I haven't seen you in a minute, but yet you're still connected, I put your name down. Then I went to CCB just for good measure to see if I'd overlooked anybody. <laughs> Sweet thing. She could have come up here with me and I'd have been just fine. And as I walked through each of your names, thinking about your circumstances, there were over 100 names on that list. For the majority of those people on that list, you on that list, I know a lot of details about you. Some I know more details about. Some I know just a little bit of surface things, which is fine. But the majority of this congregation is in grief of some form. Some of you are at a good, happy place. But the majority is grief. Grief over loss of relationship. Grief over a death. Grief over job situations. I, I had a phone call with somebody this week that was just devastating with a job issue. So I looked to see what are your needs? What do I perceive your needs to be by either you telling me or me knowing a little bit of detail about your life? There's disillusionment and doubt in some of you. There's struggle in parenting with some of you. There's, there's job stress, relationships, all those struggles. You are looking for hope, for safety, for purpose, for meaning. You are looking for sanctuary. A sanctuary is a refuge, a haven, a port in a storm, a harbor, a shelter, a retreat, a safe house, a hiding place, protection from storm. A sanctuary to me is a soft place to land. Do I have to even tell you how many scenarios in our lives, how many real life situations that are in our lives right this minute that are hard places to land? Do I have to tell you that and you'd be surprised? No. 
even if you're in a good spot right now, you probably could look two people over and realize, oh, yeah, that one's hard. That's, that's, that's a hard place. In parenting and in intimate relationships, our jobs, our bank accounts, our power bills, our in-laws, our co-workers can at some time be a very rocky or even thorny place to be, a hard place to land. We have mental health challenges in ourselves, our partners, our children, our loved ones, and that can be a hard place to land. Physical health challenges, unclear diagnosis, bad diagnosis, hard place to land. Divorce, death, betrayal, loneliness, purposelessness, all hard places to land. My vision is that Imago would be a sanctuary for all who come, that we would be a refuge, a shelter, a soft place to land. Now, to be sanctuary for others, there's an expectation on us, there's an onus on us to make sure that whoever comes has sanctuary, and we have to facilitate that for them. And how do we do that? We have to be actively engaged in providing that sanctuary. There are ways that we can be a soft place to land for others. We're going to hear about some of those ways this morning by serving in Honduras, helping with the ministry to our unsheltered friends with Lula and Jolt, by being a good neighbor to our local elementary school, Maud Sanders. There are audio and video opportunities that allow folks from home and later on in the week to be a part of us through our live stream so people can watch at their convenience at another time. You would be surprised the people that contact me during the week that say, I listened and I have a question or I want to say something encouraging. It happens more than you realize. It surprises me, but it does happen a lot. Another way to provide sanctuary to others is by helping with the nursery and godly play, helping with breakfast on Sunday mornings, setting up the coffee, greeting folks as they come in the door, reading scripture, writing an Imago Weekly article. This is a wonderful way for all of us to hear your voice. If you're just hearing my voice all the time, God bless you. My heavens, if my southern accent hadn't run you off by now, I don't know what could. My, my hokey stories, I don't know. Someone actually said to me a while back, they said, do you think people treat you like you're dumb because of your accent? I looked at this person and I was like, no, but gee, thanks. <laughs> you must think I'm dumb. Dolly Parton would always say she didn't mind being called a dumb blonde because she knew she wasn't dumb and she wasn't really a blonde. <laughs> that resonates deeply in my soul. We don't guilt trip or shame anybody into serving at Imago. That's not what we do. We want you to, to be able to give where you can, to serve where you can. If you need a break, my heavens, it's okay. Nobody's guilting you. I promise you that Jacob and I on, Sunday, on Monday mornings and Megan and Holly are not sitting in the office in Libby when she can talking about, well, you know that Laura Holmes she doesn't do anything. Why ain't she doing anything? That does not happen. We know your capacity for the most part. And you are so good to tell us. If we ask you, you'll say, I can't right now. And that is such a beautiful thing. A lot of us were raised in church traditions where that was not really allowed without being judged. Right? I hope to God we never judge you for that, if that's your situation. We have three intersecting circles that help us focus. Mission, community, practices. We are centered around our five direction, directives. Everything is spiritual. We have a mission. We have a process where we honor everyone's journey of faith. Community, we believe that spiritual formation happens in the context of intentional relationships. That's what we've been focusing on this past year is these intentional relationships. And we are distinctly Christian. And I hope you'll be back next week 
Mandy and Vicki are going to have a conversation with all of us about these five directives, kind of get into them a little bit. I would encourage you to read those directives on our website over the week. Jot down a question or two. Jot down a thought or two. We can have that discussion, right? Those directives are beautiful, and they are amazing. My Imago Weekly this week, Henry Blackaby, I quoted him from his uh, Bible study, Experiencing God. He talks of how we don't need to dream up things that we want to do for God. All good and worthwhile things. But instead, we watch, look around us, and see where God is already working, enjoying God there. There are things, I think Tara had to leave. There are things that have come up since I've been here with Josh and with Tara and probably even with Jacob a little bit. Something would fall into our lap and we would think, oh, that's a great thing. We, this sounds like a mago. We should do this. And we've done some of those things and we failed spectacularly. But this is a safe place to fail. Nobody came after me with a pitchfork. You probably should have. But you didn't because we give one another a safe place to land. Watch where God is working. Enjoying God there. God's already moving and working somewhere around us. Somewhere. Are we looking? Do we see it? You see things I'll never see. And this is why I invite you to tell us. Send me an email, write me a letter, call me on the phone. Melinda, I see God moving right here in this spot. God is working in this group of people. God is moving here. What can we do to join God there? That's how we are on the right path. That's how we know we're on the right path. I could dream up a million things that we could do that would be great. And we would think, oh, look at us. But if that's not where we're supposed to be, it fails. It may be somebody else's work to do. Just like David wanting to build the temple and God said, nope, it's not yours to do. It's your son's. Where is God working? This morning you're going to hear about God working in places like Honduras. You're going to hear about God working in our unsheltered friends, the street family that we work with. You're going to hear about God working in our children, in this godly play curriculum. And y'all, if I were to leave tomorrow, I would tell you at the top of my list of the biggest success I've had or could have at Imago is godly play. I wish to God my kids had gone through that. And I'm so proud of you for putting your kids through it. It's so good. It's so good. And we're raising up children to see God in a different way. The God that doesn't shame, the God that doesn't guilt trip, the God doesn't tell a kid, oh, I see what you did there. You stole, you did, 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 did. I had nothing to do with you. Not that God, not the God I was raised with, not the God that some of you were raised with, but a different kind of God. That's important. I tell you, I pray, God, let me live long enough to see what your kids do one day. I know. I've got chills all over my body. God's got something going on right there, and I can't wait to see it. I hope I get to see it. If the people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. What do you see God doing? What do you see God doing? Would you be brave enough to let me know? Maybe we join God there. At this time, different people are going to come up and share with you some things that they see God doing and where God is working. And hopefully it, it enlightens and uh, helps us see the way that God is moving at Imago.
Hi, I'm Holly, and my uh, pronouns are she, her. And um, I'm here today to talk to you about our Genesis and Godly Play, which is our children's ministry here at Imago. Um, we love on and provide childcare for kids who are ages three months to three years in the nursery. And then we provide godly play for um, kids who are ages four to fifth grade, where we wonder together about Bible stories. Um, the four main questions we ask in most of our godly play stories, after we tell the story, we ask, I wonder what your favorite part of the story was. We ask, I wonder what part was most important. And we ask, I wonder where you are the story, where where you are in the story, or what part of the story is about you. And then we ask, the last question is, I wonder if we could take take out something in the story and still have all the story that we need. And in asking these questions, we allow the children to wonder and to form their own faith ideas about God and the Bible, rather than telling them, this is what you need to learn from this, and this is what you need to take away. It makes um, the stories um, so much more personal, and I'm, I'm thrilled to have my own children growing up in godly play. Um, I've been asked to share what we've done in the last year and what we have hopes to do in the next year, so I wanted to share those things. Um, we split into two different sessions according to age groups. So we have the four-year-olds through second grade having their godly play session during the service, and then we have the third through fifth graders having their godly play session during Sunday school. Um, also, this past summer, we did a new series called The Greatest Parable, which is all about the life of, and ministry of Jesus. And it was really great to get a chance to explore what Jesus did in his ministry and um, explored, we explored um, 13 different stories from Jesus's ministry. And then we took some time to compare and contrast some of those stories. Um, and we asked what's similar in these stories and what's different. And um, it was, we had some good discussions with them. Um, and then we had a series in, here in the sanctuary um, about Jonah, and so we got the Godly Place Jonah story, and we incorporated that in our Godly Playroom. Also, we borrowed a lot of materials from St. Paul's Episcopal Church here in Peoria. They have a Godly Playroom, and they helped us get started here. So we have returned all their materials back to them, and we've been able to purchase materials for our Godly Playroom. So we are grateful for St. Paul's. Um, also, last November... We had our first Godly Place uh, Sunday here in the service where we took over the service and we got to show the adults what a Godly Play session looks like. And we're going to do that again in November. Um, the kids are becoming more familiar with the stories and the materials and wondering. And um, we are grateful for the volunteers we have in both the nursery and the Godly Playroom. Um, some dreams for the next year that we have. and kind of going along with what Melinda was saying, we hope that in the Godly Playroom and also in the nursery, we can provide a sanctuary for the kids to feel like they can ask any question or wonder about anything and that they would um, find a place, safe place to explore what they think or what um, they're wondering about. So we're grateful for that. Um, some dreams. For the next year, we're gonna hope we're gonna have another Godly Play Sunday in November. Um, we are. I would love to have a Godly Play family session where we came and as a, as families came together and had one, and also have a Godly Play adult session. So, um, the we're asking if if you're able and if you feel comfortable to sign up um, to volunteer in the nursery or Godly Play. It's about um, two hours on a Sunday. You could serve like once a month or once every six weeks. And um, I'd love to talk to you about serving. Thank you, guys. All right. So uh, I'm Dan Moore, uh, pronouns he, him. Um, this morning, I looked up on the internets, uh, like public speaking tips, because I was like, I had to do this. And uh, the first two were, uh, I, don't, I don't prepare, practice, and I think I remember seeing somewhere that you're not supposed to apologize before you start. 
Uh, well, I definitely didn't prepare <laughs> or practice, so I'm sorry. So, um, but my wife, she did all of that in spades. So when she comes up later, you're going to be like, wow, I can see. So um, first, so I guess I'll remind you of our leadership structure. Most of you guys know our leadership structure, but uh, I am the chair of the leadership team. And the leadership team is made up of people from the other three teams, which are the resource team, and the chair of the resource team is Joel McCormick, and they do kind of like the building and budget type stuff. Um, and then the formation team, which is chaired by Brian Holmes, and they do like a lot of the Bible studies uh, for adults and the uh, stuff up here on Sunday mornings. Um, and then there's the ministry team, which is now, good news, being chaired by Jacob, uh, who is, it's good news because I used to be it, and you guys can see what that could lead to. So, so now Jacob is the chair of that, which means that is like all the stuff that we do that needs organized, like the godly play is kind of under that, um, and the, uh, all that stuff that happens outside of that door <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Uh, and then the Honduras team and the Lula and all that is under the ministry team. Um, which, now I can tell you some things that we're excited about uh, as a team. Oh, and then the leadership team is all us. I think I already said that. So, um, two things that we're really excited about. One is that we are partnering with other churches now for a youth group. Uh, one of the things that all the churches that are in this um, affirming faith communities found is it's difficult to have a youth group activities when you have four, five, six, ten top youth when some people don't go, and then you're trying to have things with four kids, and it's just not the same. So they all reached out. The pastors from all those churches were like, well, let's do something combined, um, and, and that's really exciting that we're now going to have the ability to have larger youth groups like you see at some of those mega churches that are not affirming. <laughs> so it's going to be great that we're going to have now something like that every month of uh, the third Thursday or third Sunday uh, of every month. So tonight uh, is the first one. So I really encourage all you that have youth to go to that uh, tonight at uh, St. Paul's Episcopal. And then they have one next, uh, next month, October 20-something. Uh, look for the announcements. Um, that's going to be at a game store in the Heights, which a lot of people are really excited about because they like to play those types of games. Magic, The Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, board games, all that type of stuff. It's like crowns and cribbages or something like that. So, uh, kings and cabbages, all right. Uh, I, I, I would say sixth grain and up um, kind, of, kind of coincides with the other thing that I'm really excited about is that we are now starting a youth class. Um, Pre-COVID, we had all different Sunday school classes, you know, third through fifth, sixth through eighth, and all these others. Uh, after COVID, the model of the way we did it before COVID, I think, was daunting, which was you'd have one teacher, and they'd be teaching it every week. And so we decided to do it similar to the way Godly Play, which has been so successful, um, that we're now, we actually, I'm super, like, super excited. We got eight people already. If you want to sign up, obviously we'll take more. Um, but we got eight people and three-fourths of them, those of you that are math, that's six of them. <laughs> to help you out, I used to be a math teacher. Um, six of them have raised kids into like adulthood. And they're all really pretty good adults, right? Yeah, Jacob is one of them, right? So <laughs> You know, so we got the Kirsches, uh, you know, not Jacob, but Jacob's parents, uh, Thad and Cindy. We got uh, Laura Holmes, right? We got Rich Cruzwick. Uh, we got uh, Megan. And we got uh, Sarah Hamilton, right? And she's also uh, got an adult child that is doing very well. So, um, and somehow they put me in charge again. I don't know. I'm only in charge. Really, it's Laura, but... She just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> um, and so, oh, and Terry, who also has very successful adults. So, um, <clears throat> Wanda, don't laugh. He's not here to defend himself. He's great. Okay. 
So, um, and I think that's it. I'll have to, yeah, so I will now pass the mic off to someone else. Hi, my name is Joel McCormick, he, him. Um, so as Dan mentioned, I am the resource team leader and I was all told to <laughs> present today. Uh, so I'm gonna give you a little update on the doors. Uh, we talked about those earlier this summer. Everybody's probably like, yeah, we talked about that. Why aren't, why aren't they done yet, right? Uh, they, it is happening, as you can imagine. Some of the uh, components of those took a little bit longer to secure, but uh, I had an update from Crawford and Brinkman this week that the doors are in the, the um, facility here in Peoria. So they're prepping those, getting those ready. They're really just waiting at this point for the automatic closers for the handicap component uh, to those doors. So we hopefully will be getting those installed. Uh, you probably also noticed as you walked in this morning that uh, the concrete was a little bit different out in the courtyard. Uh, so that was something that I don't think I mentioned when we talked about this project originally. Uh, but as we got into this, uh, it was mentioned that, you know, this would probably be the ideal time to replace the concrete. And for any of you that own a property or home, uh, you know how some of these projects can kind of snowball. Fortunately for us, uh, the donor that uh, was willing to work with us on this uh, said, hey, this, this needs to be done. So. Uh, we were very fortunate that, that we were able to do all of this project all at once instead of breaking it up into chunks and uh, having to spread this out over several years. We can, we can do this when it makes sense to do it. So we really needed to get that concrete done before we put the doors in. Um, don't hold me to this, but I would imagine here in the next few weeks, uh, you might be surprised when you walk in and there are new doors in place on e each side of the courtyard and over by the kitchen. So. Uh, that'll be another surprise when that happens. So we're really fortunate that we can do this. Uh, really, it does make the building a lot more useful. Um, when we talk about the resources, yeah, we talk about, uh, we think about the, the money, the, you know, that as being a resource. But this building is a, a very valuable resource that we have. Uh, we meet here, obviously, today, right now, but that only happens for a few hours a week, right? And so this building sits empty uh, a lot of the week otherwise. But fortunately, we've been able to partner with a lot of different organizations in the community and the city and bring them in and allow them to use this church. You know, when we first started out as a church, we were using the Gateway Center, right? The Gateway Building. And uh, that was nice to be able to use that on a Sunday morning when it was being utilized. So we feel like it's important for us to use this facility that we've uh, been able to use during the week and, and buy uh, to offer that to other organizations that don't have a place to meet otherwise, right, or, um, or need to meet in. So some of those organizations, I was given a list. Um, we have PFLAG that meets here once a month, the Q Collective, which is the PFLAG youth program. They meet here twice a month. So that, that's uh, it's nice that that's fairly frequent. Uh, Lula, um, they have, actually have a closet here, so they have uh, a large number of supplies uh, in the um, fellowship hall as well as they meet here to pack lunches and uh, take those supplies out. Uh, Jolt has used the building on, on multiple occasions and we have an ongoing agreement with them that if they have some kind of a uh, meeting or need for having people come in, I think they did uh, vaccination or some screenings and some of that kind of stuff in the fellowship hall one Sunday afternoon, they used it for that. Uh, NA meetings here on Wednesday nights, um, there's uh, the Oxford House. Uh, I know they've met here in the Fellowship Hall uh, on Saturdays on a regular basis. Uh, the elections are held here, so any of you that live in this area, you've probably come here to vote. They, they set up in the Fellowship Hall. So having the handicap accessible doors, obviously for that, you know, it's gonna be nice for us on this side of the courtyard, but going over to the Fellowship Hall is gonna be very useful as well. Um, Let's see, uh, we had in this year, we, we hosted the, the slut walk here. I, I think it got rained out or something like that or so. Oh, okay. Yes, okay, so we, we hosted that here. Um, and then the Foster Village, we've worked with them and also 
they've borrowed our projector on, on several occasions. So, so those are some of the uses that uh, we've found for this building. And we're really encouraged by that. And we hope to find more people to use this building because we want, we want people to be here every day of the week if we can, right? Um, I mean, it's nice that Melinda and Jacob have offices, but that's only a little corner of the building, right? We have this nice fellowship hall, these classrooms, if, if somebody can use those. I think uh, last weekend I heard that the Cornstalk Theater is going to try to come back and do some rehearsals here uh, in the evenings and stuff, so another, another thing. So all great things that we're doing in our community, uh, and, and if you know of somebody that, that could use this building, uh, they're welcome to contact us, and we'll try to coordinate something to, to make that happen. We don't have a lot of legal forms that they have to fill out. Uh, <laughs> we try to make it as hassle-free as, as possible. So uh, so the other thing I'll, I will mention that they've asked me to talk about is a little bit about the budget. Uh, I don't have a slide with a bunch of graphs and, and charts on it. Uh, all I have to say is we, we've gone through that budget, and we feel very confident that, that we're going to have a balanced budget again this year. Now, we, we've made some changes. We've, we've cut some things that we felt like weren't necessary. Um, you're not going to see 15 Christmas trees up on the stage uh, this Christmas, you know. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's in the budget then. That's in the budget. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> We don't have room to store them. I'm <laughs> okay, uh, so some of those kinds of things that, that we felt like were unnecessary, we've cut out of that budget. Um, there's some things that maybe we're not doing that we have done in the past, but uh, we're not saying that we couldn't. We just, uh, we just have to have those conversations. So um, we feel like we're in a good place with, uh, with the giving that we have and, and what we, have, uh, we can do with that. So... Um, I think that's about it. Okay? Thank you. And Libby? And I know you got volunteers. All right. Hello, everybody. Again, my name is Libby Moore. You can actually see me now, right, instead of behind the piano. Um, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here to represent the um, worship team and then the um, tech team as well. So um, before I start, I, Melinda was talking about, I did not write this down, I did not plan this part, so I'm sorry, I'm going to say it anyway. Melinda was talking about sanctuary earlier, and I was thinking about um, something that Lisa said in our rehearsal this morning <laughs> about how she was saying that on, on our worship team when we have rehearsals, like, nobody cares if you sing a wrong note, a sour note. You know, maybe you do and you just don't say anything, and please don't say anything. But, <laughs> but we, we as musicians very much feel like, like you are a sanctuary for us too, where like we can make mistakes and you're not gonna come up and say, well, that was garbage. <laughs> so thank you for that. Um, and then we also hope that we're providing sanctuary for you all when you come in here. Um, we really very much feel that we're intentional about the music that we choose to sing. And we hope that you find sanctuary when you come in for service and you don't feel like you have to put on airs and raise hands if you don't want to raise hands or sing if you don't want to sing. Like, this is a totally safe space for that. Um, and so as a worship team, I was just thinking about that and I wanted to share it before I went into some more fun things that I have planned for you <laughs> this morning. It was a running joke between Dan and I this morning that I did the planning so that he didn't have to, I guess. I don't know. So. All right, so I thought I would start with um, a game of Name That Tune. Okay, so these are the top three worship songs of the year at Imago Day Church. So I'm going to sing a little bit, and then um, if you know the title or you know the song, sing with me, and then ding, we'll just call that a winner, okay? Does that work for you? Direction's clear? Okay. All right. Um, Holy Spirit, guide my vision, help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus Christ, and all is Christ in me. Recognize that one? All right, that was one of, we had a three-way tie for first place. So all of these are for, you all get a gold star, right? You all get a medal. So that was the Hymn of the Holy Spirit, one of our top songs of the year. Um, the next one is kind of a throwback to my, like, high school slash college days. So I, I love this song. Um, see if I can remember how it goes. That's the other thing. Um, this is going to give it away right around the first word, but that's all right. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. I think it's galaxy, right? <laughs> you are holy. Oh, 
I love hearing you all sing. It's awesome. That was, again, like a second, first place. Um, and then the last one, my thump, thump, letter, heartbeat. Anybody who knows me knows I love this artist. So deep down since high school. Um, so love, love can change the world. Oh, do we still believe that love? God is love. Our God is love. And love can change the Erin Nyquist. Nobody stole my heart. Okay. <laughs> Nerdy. I'm a big nerd. Sorry. Um, so we sang 117 different songs this year throughout the whole year. Um, and we had 55 different worship services that we participated in as musicians. So 50 of those were Sunday morning services, and then we had five special services that we participated in. And that's not counting, like, the things we did out in the community. So kind of a cool thing. Um, if you want to see the rest of the list of the top songs in the year, if that's your jam, there I have a printed a list out there at the um, worship table if you um, love data like that, like me. So, <laughs> All right, some other data I thought I'd share with you. I'm in higher ed. I just, I just love data. Um, so 17, the number 17, the number of musicians that have volunteered on the worship band in the last year. Um, 11, the number of tech folks that have volunteered in the past year. That's including soundboard and multimedia. Um, and then three is the number of volunteers that serve on both of those teams, right? So kind of some, some neat little things. So um, celebrations from the last year, um, as we already kind of mentioned earlier in the year, we have a new soundboard to us, and it's such a blessing for us to have this new board. We were having all kinds of lines that were going out before, and the feedback, and you probably noticed it out there as your congregational member, right? Um, and it's been so much more smooth for us on Sunday morning. So we're so grateful to JJ and to Jacob for installing that and putting every single plug in. There are lots of them, let me tell you. There are lots of them. Um, so we're so grateful for that. So that's a celebration from this year. Um, we're also celebrating all the team building that we had this year on our team. We had um, band camp. We just had another worship retreat yesterday here at the church. Um, and we're hoping to do more of that you know, in the, you know, maybe like twice a year or something in January. So we'll kind of see if the schedule works out for that. Um, we also had our volunteer base stayed steady throughout this last year. We had a good number of volunteers that joined us um, just before Vision Sunday and then for a year ago, right? And that pretty much stayed steady. So we're hoping to build on that. But again, we're, we're grateful for that. So um, we're also taking small steps to create a more inclusive and accessible church. You heard Joel talk about um, the sidewalk out there and the doors that are getting installed. Um, you might have noticed we've installed handrails on our, um, what is this, altar, on our altar area. Um, and that's been helpful for accessibility so that many different folks can access our stage. We recognize that we still have more work to do there. We don't have a ramp for our stage, but we're grateful for the steps that we're taking in the right direction. So lots to celebrate there. Um, so looking forward to the coming year, we're going to continue doing the community building opportunities and hope to bring some more people in. Um, and then we're also going to be doing more All Music Sundays. We did one back in April. It was very well received. So we're hoping to do another one. It's planned for October. Um, so that's something to, fun to look forward to. Um, we're also trying to be more intentional. We've always been intentional about the music we choose. But now we're trying to be a little bit more intentional with representation of the artists that we're singing, um, making sure that the artists that we're singing are trying to include more LGBTQ representation, people like um, Selmer and the Q Collective, which is different than the Q Collective youth group that meets here. So it's a, a worship um, collective. So, um, and then also representation for people of color. Um, those are things that are important to us and something that we're hoping to do some more um, representation of this year. We're also hoping to start doing something that we used to do a long time ago, songwriting. Um, we had a number of musicians when this church started who were very much into the songwriting process. Um, if you know Brian McLaren, he kind of many years ago had this new kind of Christianity that came out. And along with that, he put a call out for, for artists and musicians to write a new kind of worship song. Right, things that were more intentional in their theology and intentional in the lyrics. 
Um, and so that's something that we're going to try to dig into a little bit more. Some of us that are on the team right now haven't had a lot of practice with that, but we're going to be vulnerable, and we're going to try new things. We can do hard things. I say that all the time in my studio, so um, in my voice studio. So, so that's kind of something we're really looking forward to this year. We, we're not promising any sort of great output. We're just promising that we're going to start the process. So you will be a sanctuary for us as we experiment here <laughs> with this new skill. Um, the last um, thing to look forward to this year is that we're purchasing a new electric keyboard for the worship team. So um, you may be wondering why, don't we already have two? We actually have zero. This, key, this piano um, is an acoustic piano and it has some intonation issues. I don't know if you've heard the piano and the bass not always matching pitch. <laughs> uh, we have to tune down to the piano because it doesn't hold its pitch. Um, it's also expensive to maintain. We have to tune it at least twice a year and it really needs it more than that. Um, and it's in an environment that's not temperature and humidity controlled. And so that's really difficult on an acoustic instrument. Um, and so we're getting an electric keyboard for that. Um, that's going to help um, things out a lot on our worship team as far as tuning and, um, and you know, making that sanctuary that let, take, making less distraction for you <laughs> as, you are, as you are worshiping. So um, one ask that I'm going to make, uh, and I'll make it brief, I promise. I'm going to make it a little fun, though. Okay, um, we're in, we are in need of soundboard volunteers. That's our greatest need right now. So um, I know it's a big board with a lot of buttons and it looks very intimidating. Uh, but I promise you, once you learn the function of one row, right, for the most part, it's copy and paste, okay? JJ is giving me a look right now. <laughs> he will get into the weeds on that with you if you so wish. Um, but speak to him afterwards if that's something that you're interested in. To bring a little bit of light to that, we're going to have a little, um, I'm calling it, guess the number of buttons. Guess the buttons to win the buttons, okay? I'm wearing my, my jean jacket today with some flair on it. This was intentional. And I feel like, I feel like Jennifer Aniston in office space, okay? I don't have enough flair. I need more flair. Um, but th these are buttons that I got from The Many. We sing a lot of songs by The Many, like All Belong Here, which was one of our top songs of the year. Um, Love is Here, uh, lots of other really great ones. Um, but they have a, a set of buttons, and I have four sets. So what you're going to do is um, come back to the worship table, and you're going to guess how many buttons are on the new soundboard. Okay? You, and you just put your name on there, put your guess, and then put some way for us to contact you. We promise we won't put you on the schedule unless you want to be, okay? We're not using this for nefarious purposes. It's just so we can give you your buttons if you get the right answer or get close to the right answer, okay? Um, if you are interested, you can come see the buttons, the flare on my jacket. But, um, yeah, I was, we hope you'll, you'll greet us. And thank you for giving me a little bit of time here. I appreciate it. No cheating. No cheating. So... JJ, I'm sorry, you're not allowed. <laughs> you're not, you can't win. And I don't think, yeah, Jacob either. So, <laughs> all right, who is next? I think it's, yes, three. Yeah, good. Good morning, Imago. Um, I'm Kyle, he, him. Uh, this might get a little bit wild. Uh, Jacob told me earlier this week that I had five minutes to talk about uh, one of the things that's so core to this community, and that was already stressing me out. But like 20 minutes ago, I found out that I'm going to be a dad on Tuesday. Uh, like we're, we're going to have a newborn on Tuesday in my house. So I'm going to apologize to you. I didn't hear a word that you said while you were up here. Now, I'm not going to apologize to the rest of you if I say something weird or if I throw up because Dan told me I don't get to apologize up here. So we're just going to act like it didn't happen to save me the embarrassment. Okay. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, all right, so uh, Honduras. There is this impoverished community up in the Honduran mountains that we as a church have been sending teams to visit for something like 15 years now. Hey, if uh, to the Browns, if I like misquote a number or something, by all means step in and great. Thanks, Vicki. <laughs> Can always count on you. Okay, so for something like 15 years, we've been going to this same community. Um, and what we do is build houses alongside uh, members of this community to replace uh, the shacks that exist there currently because these shacks are, are not uh, safe and, and healthy for families to live in, right? Um, 
So if you walk down the streets of this community, you can count something like 20 homes that the hands and dollars from Imago have helped to build over the years. But more importantly, and this is the part where I always get like super weird and emotional. Um, so we have built an incredible relationship with this community. Uh, when we walk down the streets, the kids yell our names. They know that Corey will throw them into the sky an infinite number of times. Um, they know that we're going to color and, I don't know, paint nails. Families invite us into their homes, and despite the language barrier, because, uh, I mean, like, I don't speak Spanish. Some of us kind of do. Phoenix does a great job, actually. Um, we, we get to sit and have um, pretty serious conversations with them about, you know, what's going right in their life and what's going wrong. Um, so, anyway. <clears throat> I would love it, we were talking about vision today. Um, my vision for uh, this trip is that every one of us goes. We're just gonna grab a 737, fill it to the brim, because I want you all to experience um, what you know a few of us have gotten to experience there over the years. Um, outside of the trip, we also have a scholarship program. Um, if you don't get, uh, what is the equivalent of a, a high school uh, education in Honduras, you are relegated to just doing some real brutal um, manual labor for, for your entire life and it is not a great way to live. Uh, so we want our little friends there to have every opportunity. So we, uh, we have a scholarship program going right now. It's just for kids at the moment um, and we would love to expand that. Um, so if you have any interest in uh, supporting that financially, every little bit helps. If you want to do it one time, if you want to do it monthly, I don't care, uh, you know, either way is, is great. Um, so I'm gonna be sitting out at that table. Uh, I will try to calm down. If you want to come and talk to me about Honduras, there are a million things that I could say that I couldn't fit in this little five minute blurb. So please stop by and have a chat. I don't know what to do with this mic now. Does anybody, are you, just throw, yep, okay. Thanks guys. Okay, I'm gonna wrap us up. When I was interviewing for this job, um, I think my first interview with the search team was in February of 2020. It was over a Zoom call. Um, if that's wrong, just go with me, okay? Because that's what I got. Um, a good friend of mine back in Huntsville had, has been on a lot of search teams for pastor, youth pastor, associate pastor, music pastor. He's done a lot of those things. So I went to him for advice. His name's Perry. And uh, I, I said, Perry, can you give me any advice for this interview? And he said, well, I've looked over this church's website. This looks really interesting. He said, um, but I have some questions that I think would be good for you to ask. And he said, these are questions that I wished candidates that he had spoken with had asked of him. I was like, oh, okay, so he gave me a list. One of the questions was, what makes God proud when God sees Imago? What are you doing right now at Imago that you know God smiles over? Not a great question. And so they told me three things. They said, Honduras, and you gave me a little bit of, a, of an idea like that in Honduras, about Honduras, and uh, that you minister and you help feed unsheltered people and have been pretty much from the very beginning, and your work that you do with foster care. And as I, when I got off the phone with you, I called my best friend Andy and told her your answers to my question. And I said, Andy, I said, any other church probably would have said, oh, well, we had a choir of about 10 people, but now we have 40. We had a budget of blank, but now we're up here. We have this many people coming to this. And those are all great things. Man, those are all good things. They're all things that we should celebrate. But you gave me three things that you get absolutely nothing in return for your investment. Nothing. You're investing and you get nothing back. Probably don't even get thank yous a lot of times. 
but you have made a commitment to invest into the lives of others. And I want us to continue doing that because I do think those are some things that God smiles over. Something that we're going to do um, continue throughout this year is working with Maud Sanders. We'll do food drives, teacher and support staff appreciation. I have a contact within the school with Peoria Public City Schools that's going to meet with me and help us plan out this school year with them. What can we do? Some of you have been coming to me already and said, what can we do? What can we do? We are a small congregation. I don't know that we can feed the teachers and support staff every week. But there are some things we can do. And I want us to be a part of that. This is an elementary school that's just right up the street from us. This is our neighborhood. You remember God moved into the neighborhood. We're also going to continue our work with Lula and Jolt. There is a need for people who are willing to go out to these unsheltered camps. I know that sounds challenging. Checking on them, any medical needs, dropping off water and other things that they need. I know that's not for everyone. I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I don't do it, just to be quite honest. It's not that I don't want to. It's just that I haven't done it yet. But I'm going to challenge us, if that feels like something you could do, to let us know. We have someone in the room that does that every Monday. <clears throat> and I haven't had the conversation with this person beforehand if I could out them, so I'm not going to. But if you are interested, I can get you in touch with this person, and they can tell you what that entails. This person can also tell you what they have gained by being a part of this, by you know, I want to tell you something. It's easy to invite somebody over to our house and say, y'all, come on. My fridge, my stove, my restroom, my stuff, you're in my house. But to go to them on their terms and their environment in a completely unfamiliar environment than ours, that takes something special. And there is still a need for that. We did. Yes, yes. He, uh, Chris is willing to do that again. We also do the snack pack, snack packs on Wednesday night. Several of you have been asking me about that. Uh, with the advent of COVID, it changed everything in our breakfast club. So we, uh, there's a group of people, people that meet every Wednesday night and pack snack packs, and they take them to the unsheltered friends. So if, maybe not going into the camp is your thing but you can help with packing up some food. I can get you in touch with who you need to be in touch with if you're interested in that. Also during holidays when Sophia's kitchen is closed, you know, they are up here on a Sunday making 100 ham and cheese sandwiches for these people for the week. That takes work and we need help, especially during the holidays. Keeping the Lula closet in Parkview Hall organized I had a conversation with Chris, who runs Jolt this week, and he had suggested a couple of things. He had said that would there be anybody in the congregation that would be willing to do a suppers for six in their home with an unsheltered person? Okay. We'll go to Ken's house. Let me know if you're interested, because we, we can make that happen uh, through, with Chris. Uh, there's always a need for someone to have a ride to a doctor or to a, a, a check-in place or um, somewhere they need to be. There, and, and Chris needs a list of people who he can call and say, hey, are you available Monday to drive this person at 10 a.m. to somewhere and come back? And if he has a list to go through, he's got a better chance of finding someone who's available that day. Not, ever, not all of us will be available at 10 a.m. on a Monday, but some of us are. Would we, would we be willing to do that? Um, I've had a conversation <clears throat> with Chris and Elizabeth about maybe a Super Bowl party here in February. Um, that would take a lot of work and logisticals, that, but we could work through that. We could figure that out. Um, and Chris is willing to help us put some of this together.
We have some sermon series coming up that I'm really excited about. In the month of October, it's going to be all about spiritual formation. I know that you see this on our website. We talk a lot about formation communities and spiritual formation. And the, the uh, retreats that they do, the two-year commitment, what, what is that? What do you do? What do you, are you learning how to sing? What do you do in there? And I want us to kind of demystify that a little bit. And so we're going to hear from, from Brian and um, Vicki in the month of October about spiritual formation, some ways that we, some practices that we can grab a hold of to understand what it means to be spiritually formed. And I'm so excited about that month. It's going to be really good, and I hope you will definitely be here. For Advent, we're doing a series called From Generation to Generation. What are we handing down to each other? What was handed down to us? What's been good? What's been bad? What do we need to dispense with? What are we handing down that we need to reevaluate? In 2024, we're going to take a look at Jesus through his own Jewish lens. For example, where did the term synagogue or rabbi or even Pharisees and Sadducees come from? Those are not in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures. Those are not in the Old Testament. But Jesus talks about them a lot. So where did that come from? So we're going to have some conversations about where that came from and what the world that Jesus lived in. Finally, I am I'm just going to throw this out here. You, you let me know. I am toying around with the idea of offering a weekly Bible study. Just a good old-fashioned, get that Bible open. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Let's walk through it together. Let's talk about it. What do you think about this verse? How does that verse speak to you? I was telling Jacob about this. When I was like 18 or 19 years old, I had the privilege of sitting under a Church of Christ preacher in Tupelo, Mississippi. He taught a seminary class every Monday night for four hours. And the guy that I was dating at the time was Church of Christ, and we both loved to study the scriptures together. And so I went with him to this four-hour class on Monday nights. Hands down, that's, what we, that's why I'm preaching today. It's that man in Tupelo, Mississippi who would tell you right now I have no legitimacy about being a preacher, but that's neither here nor there. But we would look at Daniel. We would look at the book of Daniel. And he would start in chapter 1. And then he goes to chapter 2. And he would say, did you notice the sarcasm dripping from their voices? And I'm like, wait, what? That's in the Bible? It's there. It's right there when they say, oh, king, oh, mighty king, oh, king, you're the best. They're kissing up to this guy. And I'd never understood the Bible in that way. And it just blew my mind that there's something behind this text that makes it alive, that makes it just fly off the page for us. It's supposed to. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's supposed to leap off the page for us. It's supposed to ignite our imaginations. It's supposed to challenge us to live more fully into the kingdom of God. So I'm toying with that idea. If you're interested, let me know because I don't want to throw something out there and there's not really any interest for it because, again, we're going to watch to see where God works. And if he's working there, that's where we're going to join him. Finally, I want to wrap this up by saying this. I told the, the worship team and the, um, some other people in, the, in my office this morning, we gather at 9.15 to go through the service together and then we pray. And I share this with them and I want to share it with you. Um, I have a trans daughter and um, she, we dressed up last night for homecoming, bought herself the prettiest little dress I've ever seen. Just the cutest little thing. Just adorable. We did her hair and her makeup. I finally got a kid that loves those things. None of the other ones ever did. So we do her hair and her makeup. We realize she doesn't have the right shoes. We have to run to Target at the last minute to get the right shoes. Because she's got to look right. We took pictures. Posted them on Facebook. I want you to know that as of this morning, not one person in my family back home has liked that post or commented on that post. Not one person. 
Not one person from the circle of friends from every church that my ex-husband and I ever served, not one person has liked or made a comment. Not one person. You know who's made comments? You. You You are my sanctuary. You are my baby's sanctuary. How do we get to be that for other people? How? How? My heavens, could it just be liking a picture on Facebook? It's so simple. We don't have to dream up something extravagant. It could be very small and think it has no anything. But I looked at every single one of you that had a like. I looked at every, I read every single comment and it was all of you. And you barely know her. But you love her. That's what sanctuary is, friends. That's what sanctuary means. Sanctuary is a soft place to land. So today, you get a gift. You get a car and you... No, you don't, no we're not Oprah. <laughs> we are not Oprah today. I wish... When I think of a soft place to land, I couldn't help but think of a pillow. And I want to give you a pillow today. You can write on it. You can throw it away. I, you know, you, you do you, boo. You do you. I'm going to color on mine. I'm going to try to take an orange marker, Vicky, and write my do the, the, the circles. And on the other side, I'm going to write sanctuary. And I want you to know that for me, when life gets hard and there is a stinking hard place around me and there's no getting around it, it's about to stink. I'm going to remind myself that I have a sanctuary in you. And you can remind yourself that you have a sanctuary right here. Will we get it right all the time? Absolutely not. I will let you down. There's nobody in this room with feet more full of clay than mine. I will mess up. But I will love you. And I will be a sanctuary for you. Will you be a sanctuary for someone else? Is this who we can be, God? Is this who we can be? A soft place for people to land. With their doubts, their disillusionments. Will we be a soft place to land?